They say love is the strongest magnetic force on the planet Earth. But if this is really true, why is love such a complicated subject matter? Welcome to Speaking of Love, the podcast, and I am your host, LaToya. I created this podcast in honor of my dad, who was an acclaimed television broadcast engineer and an award-winning sports radio show host. You see, my dad was an amazing guy who achieved levels of success that most people only dream of. He was a star in the public eye, but behind closed doors, my dad endured private struggles. And on March 2, 2020, my dad passed away tragically. And now, life for me will never be the same. So I created this podcast as a platform for spreading love in honor of the greatest man I've ever known. My father, Herman McAlpin Jr. I was dancing. (laughs) Hello, everyone. Welcome to Speaking of Love, the podcast. And I am your host, LaToya. I am here today with the beautiful Miss Lovely Pratipa Day. And she is here to brace my platform with love. And that's the main reason we are here today. Before we get into the interview, I want to thank everyone for tuning in and for being here on this beautiful Saturday. I would like to give a shout out to my daughter. She celebrated her 21st birthday yesterday. My only daughter, Crystal, I love you and I'm so proud of you. So let's get right into it. I wanna talk to you and introduce you to my beautiful guest today, Prathiba Day. She is an entrepreneur, an author, a speaker, and the founder of Chai Together LLC. Chai Together LLC is a video podcast turned business inspired by her mother's brain health diagnosis and her own story of overcoming. Prathiba's mission is to bridge the mental health gap globally and create a community which will outlive her. She has collaborated with the, with the famous Mr. Les Brown and, an, and a few other individuals. She now studies to become a doctor in speech pathology. Welcome, Prathiba. Welcome to Speaking of Love. Uh oh, something's yeah, going on. Well. Yeah. Uh, Herman, I love that you were all of those. <laughs> and uh, oh, I love him. And Technical this is the best thing I can do for him. So I asked everyone to bow their heads and ask for God's blessing. One moment, PBS recording. We begin all things in the name of our Lord, the Holy Spirit. Amen. It is. Lord, PBS popped up to speak of your goodness with His family here today. Peace be with you all, and may the God of mercies and the God of all consolation be with you. It's a sign from your dad. Dead do not die. Oh, I don't see it. I don't even see where it's coming from. This is crazy. It had popped up. It said PBS. Their mercy and grace of our servant, of your servant, Herman McKelvin. Look kindly on (laughs) Are you seeing it on your end? I was. It went away now. It's like a blue, blue tab on top. Says PBS. 
I don't see Brothers that. and sisters, if you be so kind, I'm we going to read the, the uh, 23rd Psalm. Yeah, I, hold on a second. As I raise my hand, I would like you to repeat, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, there's nothing I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In verdant pastures, he gives me repose. Beside restful waters, he leads me. He hey, hey. <laughs> she'll be back. I hope everyone's having a nice Saturday. I fear no evil. Talking to the people. Wow. You give me courage. The Lord is my shepherd. There's nothing I Okay, I see it. I'm so sorry about that. I am so sorry about that. That was that was fun. You know what it was? Um, my dad, uh, when he had his memorial ceremony, mm-hmm. one of his good friends delivered a beautiful speech. And for some reason, that speech popped up and the prayer. So, yeah, I said was, that was your dad. I said, yeah, from your dad. Yeah, he was he was definitely a, a jokester. So I guess that was him coming through on us. So, Prithiba, sorry about that. Welcome <laughs> to Speaking like of it. Love. <laughs> Let's get into our interview now. So talk to me, Prithipa. I understand that your mom is the inspiration behind all of the wonderful things that you are doing. Can you talk to us about your mom and her diagnosis and how this all came to be? Yeah, sure. So my mom was diagnosed about four years ago when I found out. So it was 24 hours at university and it was a hospital visit and she was diagnosed um, with paranoid schizophrenia, bipolar and health anxiety disorder. And all of these things uh, were already, you know, coming into fruition before I even understood mental health or knew anything about, you know, such diagnoses that were, you know, um, psychotic psychosis disorders. So um, that took place. And it's been a really long journey. So how that came about was last year during the pandemic when she was off of her meds, And even when she got on her meds, it was a really difficult time for me because I don't know anyone else who's going through something like this, you know, in their 20s and they have to take care of their parents. So as my mom's caregiver, I still do have a responsibility, you know, um, I choose to for my mom, but currently she's in in inpatient care. She's not at home with us during this time. So that was difficult recently uh, because COVID, we can't see her, but um, it came about when I joined Les's program, the Power Voice Academy last year, and I did my three minute speech on my phone sitting outside in the grass. And I spoke about my story. I had, I had been about maybe four or five months. I had returned from Thailand and I had aborted my twin children during that time and, you know, escaped my situation of where the father of my children, uh, from my understanding, was using me to uh, come to the States for a visa. So I was in a situation of that sort. And that story, uh, including my mom, you know, having the diagnosis she does, it made me speak out about what schizophrenia is sharing, you know, my day to day life, uh, my earlier videos of what the experience is to, you know, have a mother with this, the emotional intelligence aspect not being there, her emotionally just, you know, not understanding things and you know, I didn't understand it my whole life. And now I can that she her brain is wired differently. So that took place. 
And, you know, then I had Mr. Kawan Glover come on, who is my first guest. And he's a, I believe it's, he had a few brain surgeries. He survived a stroke and suicide attempt. So since then, I've just been interviewing everyone and having them share their stories. A lot of people, you know, will be surprised what they can share once they come on and it starts going with the flow. And there are a few people who feel they don't have any trauma, which is not true. Everyone has trauma from mild to severe, but a lot of people may not be accepting of it or not raised, you know, regarding mental health. So that's how that came about. And I'm still going strong. (laughs) Yes, you are, Pratiba. And I'm so happy that you are here. And I really, I take this platform very, this is a very sacred platform Mm -hmm. to me. And for you to take the time out of your busy schedule to be here today to talk to us, it really is, it's an honor. And I want you to know that I love you and I appreciate you for being here with me today and for sharing your mom's story because sometimes our parents will leave an impression on us as we can call it, a heart print, where there is an indelible mark on our heart that will forever remain. And because of that mark, we're using our lives as instruments of love to help make the world a better place. And that's what we're doing here today. And I want to talk to you about your mom. I know that she's she's Mm -hmm. still alive and well, and that you have uh, put her in the best hands for caring for someone who can care for her. Can you talk a little bit about where she is in her life right now, both physically and mentally? You know, it's really interesting because this is the first time where she's in uh, inpatient care. And usually I don't, um, you know, state uh, my personal family business. It's not my business to say, but she knows what I do. And she knows I speak about her like she's seen it um, regarding her schizophrenia. So it's not where there's any like legal issues. So, um, yeah, you know, this took place, actually, she took herself uh, with my dad to the hospital and they had called me because they don't quite understand her because this is the thing. And I was recently sharing this with a few close friends of mine that people really don't know regarding my mom. You know, they know she's my inspiration, but they really don't know what goes on with her. And, you know, I've been thinking of, you know, sharing more of that, but then sometimes you want to keep your personal stuff to yourself. There's only, I already give so much of myself. There's stuff I want to keep to myself as well. Mm -hmm. So where she is right now, from her being in the hospital, they had called me and asked me what I feel is best for her. And I said, yes, she needs more help. I did say, you know, she's not harmed to herself and she hasn't harmed anyone else in all of her life. And so, but still she needed help because she's not on medication. So a person who has paranoid schizophrenia, okay, so she's hallucinating and she's delusional. So my mom, for example, she believes, you know, she's seeing things that aren't there and she's smelling things that aren't there. And it was so sad one moment, uh, this is a bit PC, but you know, I saw her smelling her hand because she believes there's a foul smell coming from her. And it makes me think, and psychiatry is such, such a bubble. Like a lot of people don't have knowledge about it, but I've been like researching these things and people, we just don't have the answers. Like it is just so complex. What my mom's condition is so severe that we just don't have the answers, and especially with community mental health, there's only so much you can do. If you have the funds, you know, you can have private care and things of that nature. So the first part was her being there. I wasn't even told, and this is a gap in the healthcare system, and it's not where I'm upset about it, but I just feel like things could be done with more responsibility on 
you know, the healthcare systems then, that when they transferred her from the hospital to the facility, no one had told us. So now I'm going to the facility, not knowing that I can't go inside because COVID. So the last time I saw my mom was the last time when I saw her walk out the door, right? It's a bit scary because we hear of deaths and, uh, you know, wrongdoings, unethical behaviors happening in facilities and things, especially during this time that it makes you worry. It was hard for her to adjust because, you know, you're sharing a room with another person and, uh, you know, to be transparent, she's in a psychiatric hospital. So you hear people who are speaking to themselves, people with other brain health issues. It's not mental illness. It's actually a brain health issue. And that's mm-hmm. a stigma we have to change. Because so da- Daniel Ammon, Dr. Daniel Ammon from Ammon Clinics, that's the book that I'm reading now. You know, he talks about how changing the terminology, because a lot of times with community mental health or in general, people don't look at the brain like a brain scan. Is she less stimulated? Is she overstimulated? What part of the brain, you know, is she having an issue in? Because your brain tells you everything what's going on in the body from your gut rooted to your brain. But, you know, they have not done that. Um, So, you know, she's there. But you know, the foods they have there, you know, it's not home environment, the isolation, you know, from COVID and it's, it fluctuates. She'll be having a good day and then it will not be a good day. She's having side effects from the medication, you know, Mm -hmm. and panic attacks, uh, you know, but the thing is with this, I have to keep my own boundaries and I know it's not my burden to take on. Um, And it's really a challenge. And I'm going to write about this, that, you know, for, a child, you know, to be a caregiver for their parent with something so severe. It's not even where it's one diagnosis, it's multiple complex diagnoses. And then I also have my own healing journey. So it's a lot. And there are people in this world who have a lot. And, you know, there are other caregivers I know of as well who take care of their parents and stuff. But someone with my journey and then also to have parents, you know, with this, and I'm I'm the only child here. So it's really remarkable all I overcome all of the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. So with Chai Together, you've you've created this platform where people can come on, talk about their story. What is your intention behind Chai Together? My intention is to grow it globally, honestly. The dream is just like how Sadhguru's grown his foundation. So Chai Together is not a nonprofit, okay? I am still, um, it's an LLC and, you know, it's still things to consider in the future of where to go about this because I've looked, you know, into having the niche be suicide prevention or um, including ESL, you know, into it or, you know, as I grow it, what aspects do I want, you know? And I look up to other foundations as, they've grown theirs but you know it could take years 10 years five years 15 years but the whole point of chai together is i do have an idea that's not patent yet but something that will outlive me and i've spoken with my coach about it and how can i really you know get this to be global like that's really the end goal and even when i'm not around people will know chai together Mm. so that's really the goal for me um you know to make it global and technology is a big one So that's what I'm thinking of, to use technology to grow it. Wow, that is so wonderful. And I think you've already achieved your intentions because you are global. 
I yeah, think you're, yeah. you're already on a global platform and people from all around the world are connected to you through Chai Together. So you're already there. You're already there. You know, it's really interesting because, yeah, all my dreams are already coming through. And I actually go to see Les Brown on the Saturday. He's coming to New York. So I'm going to see him live and others. But it's really interesting how I have made all my dreams come true in this one year span. So Chai Together's one year is this August 31st. And I just see all I've done. And it's like, it's like a blur in a sense of that it all happened so fast that it's like, wow, like, this is my brand, like I did this, like, you know, you tend to question yourself. I wouldn't say imposter syndrome. It's just the fact that action, like I really took action, something that I never did. Like I had a really hard time completing things because I was clinically depressed. Now I don't have any brain health issues. And I just find it fascinating how much you can accomplish when you have that great mental resolve. And, you know, also, uh, Les is part of the Hunger for the Hustle book that I collaborated with, uh, I believe, 32 other people on. And that is to collect funds for children in Uganda for their education. So when I was young, you know, I had a dream. I want to work for Oprah's network and I want to open an orphanage. I want to do all these humanitarian things and build schools. And I think about it, I'm like, wow, I just became part of a book that's funding for a school. That dream already came true. So it's like, even if I'm not, uh, let's say mainstream and all these things, but uh, I am known as in for the work that I do, like people will remember me, you know, I'm leaving these videos behind at least, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really about all I can deliver and serve because when we're gone, we're gone. Like you don't come back. So you do what you can now, right? Yeah, definitely. Now, Pratipa, you and I are both advocates for suicide prevention and awareness. Can you talk to me about how you became connected with such a big cause? Yes. So honestly, it's from my own story. So eight years ago when I was 20, I was uh, suicidal and I've been suicidal. I'd say most of my teenagehood since I was physically abused uh, about 15, 16 and I really, really struggled every single day. It was almost unbearable to me, the things that I was experiencing. And that's for another book. So, you know, from that to when I heard Les Brown's voice eight years ago, I was 20 years old. I'm 28 now. And that really kept me going. And I, I spoke on, when I went to Atlanta to speak on stage and Les Brown was featured virtually and I was speaking and I was saying that how he saved me, like he saved my life. Hearing his voice kept me going. And then last year, when I first started Chai Together, I saw the Humans of Bombay page are featured. A gentleman named Aryan Mishra, who I'm connected with now, who was giving phones for suicide prevention to students in India and New Delhi um, because a young girl had committed suicide because she didn't have access to her education. Because you have to understand in other countries, you know, they don't have the basic necessities. And to them, it is very emotional and serious to where they will take their life, such as someone who's like, oh, you know, very romantic and very emotional. They go through a heartbreak. Some people can't aren't resilient. They can't cope with that. So they commit suicide. You know, suicide is really just it could be the smallest of things. If you just don't have the resilience to, you know, get through it, you're just going to take your life. And that's really all it is. So that project right there. So I collected donations last year and I sent it to him and then he sent me back pictures of them giving the phones uh, to the students uh, during the pandemic. So that right there was the start of it. And but I would just say it's just ingrained in me. It's just something I'm passionate about talking about. And then 
the QPR Institute, I learned from um, someone who went to my school, one of the coordinators, and she posted on LinkedIn. And I did three of the trainings. And, you know, now I ask people day to day, you know, if they're having suicidal thoughts or um, thinking about death, and then I can just help people that way. But I do plan to do more as in work wise. Um, but, you know, it's all a journey. So one step, you know. Yes. And, you know, Pratiba, I thank you so much for introducing me to the training course because I am now, I've taken the gatekeepers course, but my ultimate goal is to finish taking all the courses so that I can wow. become a certified instructor so that I can go out into the communities, go to schools, go to churches and teach people how to save lives. So if they're in a crisis with someone who's contemplating suicide, I wanna be that person who can teach you how to help that person come down from those suicidal thoughts. So hopefully I'll have my certification in that yes. here coming up very soon. But thank you so much because I had never heard of the QPR Institute until you introduced me to it. So I'm on the right path for doing that and I, I owe it all to you. So thank you. Aww. You know, you're welcome. And you know, I that's the thing. It's it's like, you know, they say underrated, like people don't know enough. That's why I post about QPR often. And very few people will even take action. I don't even know if anyone's, you know, taking it on, but that's because they don't have that calling for it like we do, right? We want mm -hmm. the change suicide. I don't even believe people know anything about suicide. <laughs> like there's these myths that, oh, when someone's suicidal, they just are like, you can't stop that. Or people just don't want to get involved. Honestly, that's what it is. They, yeah. they don't want themselves affected. This is the culture we live in. I'm not saying everyone, but I don't see anybody involved. Um, even for the work that I do reaching out to say, you know, regarding suicide prevention, I don't hear anyone talking about it. I don't hear anyone talking about abortion. So yesterday I started writing my book about it. <laughs> like I just started writing because, you know, these when I was looking for these resources, I didn't really see anything out there. And yes. when I say I didn't see anything out there as in the, the social media that I have, the network, I don't see anyone talking about it except for you. You know, when Miss um, Delsabar, right, had connected us. There's a lady that on my Instagram, I'm going to connect you with her. This is her business. She actually she teaches people you know, about suicide prevention and uh, Nicole, Nicole, I believe is her name, Watson. I don't know if you know of her. And, you know, I discovered her online, but that's what she does for a living is she gives you the blueprint of how to stop suicides. And this is her mm -hmm. life's work. Um, so, yeah. And right now she needs donations uh, to stay open in her business or she's going to have to close. So it's just a bit you know, unfortunate that the, the right things, right? Like teaching, suicide prevention, um, anything regarding children or foundations, autism, these, let's say the little things have to close like art and things like that. So mainstream things can remain open. You know, it's a bit sad. Yeah. Yeah. And what I love about your work, Prathiba, is that you have mixed together suicide prevention and awareness with mental health. And because you and I both know that those two factors go in together, yeah. a person who's mentally healthy would not contemplate suicide, yet alone commit suicide. So for the fact that you have incorporated both into your life's work, that's amazing because you, you can talk about suicide prevention and awareness, but there's also that other factor that contributes to it, which is the mental health. And as you were saying, the brain being unhealthy, all of that ties in together. 
You know, thanks for saying that. And you know, what's really interesting is that I've stopped. Uh, so a lot of my old friends or people that I know, you know, I was that toxic person too. That's why I was friends with these people. Like I was also clinically depressed and suicidal. We all were like a group of it, right? What I noticed now after outgrowing those people and still being in touch with a few people is the ones who are really suffering, whether due COVID or finances, whatever with their mental health, I can tell and not hold them uh, you know, not judge them or hold them accountable for not reaching out to me or not being able to hang out or things like that. And not just with me in general, like people who are suffering, who are unable to take care of themselves, you can't hold them, you know, to like a pedestal or something that they're going to come through for you. They can't even take care of themselves. So that's something that I'm learning is that you have to just meet people where they're at and let them be because, uh, they're not even good within themselves. So it's like, also, is that what you want to surround yourself with? Like you can get them help, but you also don't want to get dragged down there. You want to keep your mind stable. Be like, Hey, I can do this much, but this is all that I can do for you right now. You know? Yes, definitely. Prathiba, you, I sit here and I look at you and you, you're such a strong woman. You've yes. been through, you've been through so much, yeah. but when I look at you, you exude love, you exude strength. And I just I know it's unbelievable. It's <laughs> unbelievable, but where does it come from? I want some of that. Yes. <laughs> where does uh, your come you from? know the first thing that comes to mind is I believe I have a fighter spirit, as in like even when I was going through the worst of times, people beating on me, you know, bruise, like the worst of times, my abortion. I just have this resilience, like I'm gonna be successful, like I'm gonna show the world, like. Um, you know, I'm not like, I never wanted to die per se. Like I had traveled the world at 21. And after seeing that, I was like, I would not commit suicide. Cause I see that life is beautiful, like outside of your environmental situation. So that's what kept me going. Right. And at 20, I had, you know, heard that less is recording, but I truly, truly believe it's something I'm born with, you know, like it's in my spirit. You either have it or you don't. I, how I got to this <laughs> like this amount of resiliency is uh, a lot of beatings, like a lot of hits, whether physical, verbal, everything from all sides. And I only could count on myself. There was no one there to help me. When I say this, I mean, school system to social worker, teacher, like it got better after a while where there was one teacher. I still keep in touch with her and she knows this and she supported and got a mug too. And she's from my high school teacher. And I had moved here to New Jersey and she knew something was wrong with me. Right. She didn't ask what, but she bought me my senior hoodie and a donut for my birthday. No one had ever encouraged me or done that for me. Right. So the whole point is I didn't have any guidance, no mentor, no one to help me. My counselor failed me. Every police failed me. Everyone failed me. What I was going through, no one could understand my pain. When it came to friends, they couldn't, they couldn't hold the burden of all my traumas. Like I lost friends for that reason. I'm, I'm not saying I don't blame them for it or anything, but it really takes someone like, you know how they say it takes one to know one someone who's really going through that. So then I became best friends with someone who had been through the same things as me, who can understand that severe pain. And that's when you can relate to somebody. So how I really got to this point is honestly, my whole life from all angle, uh, I've been through so many uh, traumatic uh, things. Usually people don't survive from them. Pastor once told me that you know, I'm the reason why I lived through all this is so I can share my story 
you know, I can relate to all people. I've been through molestation. I've been through incest. I've been through, what is it? Sexual assault. Like I've been through suicide, you know, ideations and all that stuff. Abortion, Mm -hmm. not even at where it's, you know, uh, when you first find out, but twin children in a second trimester, a man who was frauding me for a visa, all these things. And it's like, how does someone stay sane? And the thing is, it all comes back to me and doing the work on myself. And I was able to walk through with power. Like, look at all I've done. Less knowing me, like me writing this book, doing this and that. And it's like, wow, like I did that. No, no, no one helped me. Like, as in, I took the action. No one told me to start Chai Together. I thought of the name. I, I painted my own logo. You know, I, I did all of this. So it's like before uh, someone brought to my attention that they're self-made. And I used to say, uh, without support, I wouldn't be. And I still agree with that. But you know what? I'm starting to feel like I'm more self-made because mm-hmm. nobody's going to hold my finger and do it for me. Exactly. So, yeah, I'm just really passionate. Like, I have a voice. All these years, I was shy. I had no voice. I was told to, as a female, to shut up or be quiet or that I'm the youngest and all those things. And it's like, I'm brilliant. They wanted to shut me up because I have a voice. You know, like, I'm not inferior to you, right? So that's what it is. And now it's like, I go hard. (laughs) You do and you do it well and you do it with an open heart. But going through all of this, Pratiba, what have you learned about yourself? What's the greatest lesson that you've learned going through? You've survived the unthinkable. Honestly, I feel not that I emotionally feel this way. I feel like a hard palate as in like, I don't know, like I'm like, strong as rock. (laughs) Like I feel the, you know, the most transformational point, the emotional impact was the abortion. That is something physically that happened to my body. Like as a woman, that was just the most um, shocking thing ever. And I feel like after that, and after having mental resolve and facing my traumas and being free and liberated by telling my truth, because I did confront all those people who, you know, hurt me. And I let my family know and I was free because I wasn't holding anything inside. So if you want to be free like me, you have to tell your truth. There's people out there who are holding secrets they're going to take to the grave. I'm not holding anything in because I don't have anything to hide. I stopped fearing anyone because when you lose two children as a woman, you don't really fear anyone. You're ready to kill somebody. (laughs) Like, you know, it's like if you come for me, somebody's going to get something. Um, I don't know what your question was. <laughs> so, well, Prithiba, only if you feel comfortable, but yeah. can you give us uh, information, the circumstances surrounding uh, the abortion and your relationship and why things ended the way they did, or just to shed a little light on that? Uh, yeah. So, you know, honestly, my trauma led me uh, down that path as in I was still da- dating narcissistic people. I was clinically depressed during that time. I didn't have good mental health. I lived abroad. Um, I met a gentleman during a volunteer camp where I was teaching children. And, you know, uh, the person didn't have that great intentions for me. And things didn't go how it would in a fairy tale, right? I was I was believing in all these things that was just a fantasy in real, real life. That's not the person's intent. Um, the person was violent, aggressive, and... Uh, they walked out on me during my pregnancy. 
uh, while I was abroad. And during the time, I only knew of one child. And I was still teaching children in the scorching <laughs> weather. And I found myself um, uh, to basically be broke and homeless in Thailand because I had invested my money into a flight that I missed to stay with the father of my children. I was also engaged. I impulsively became engaged in the month. And then a month later, I was already pregnant. And it was, I, I can't, I take 50% responsibility, but it's not something I wanted, but I believe the individual intended for that to happen, um, as in they didn't use protection. And I had a fight about that. Next thing you know, I'm pregnant. So moving forward, it's just the careless carelessness of it. It's like I was in a location. How am I even going to get home? I'm in Thailand. So being in that space of time, uh, I decided to leave the person because I realized it was narcissism. And uh, I was afraid for my life that they may come hurt me where I was staying. We lived in different locations and I used to hide out and things of that nature. And one day at 5 a.m., I decided to run away and I contacted a friend who helped me bring bring me back to the States in my I was four months pregnant. And I took 26 hour flight and I fought really hard to come back home um, because I, I was on the plane to Philly. And I thought to myself, there's a lot of turbulence. I was like, God, is this how I'm going to die with a baby inside of me? And I can honestly say I was in the most numb place of my life uh, during that. During that time, I had nothing. Like, I had nothing. Uh, I left everything behind. The suitcase was not as heavy because I have to push it myself. Um, but, yeah, I yeah, I came back. And um, uh, it would be too long, so let me just brief. I went yeah. to the clinic. I went to the clinic and they told me, you know, it's two, right? Uh, and I said, what? I said, I need a moment. And one of my family members said, so what? That was their response. When I was looking for some solace, they said, so what? To still yeah. go do it as if it's not a life, right? And I just want to say people who have abortions and people who have never experienced it, especially a male figure, you have no right to say anything um, because you don't know what that's like. There, it, It's unless you're willing to financially provide for someone or give someone shelter during that time. So during that time, I was at welfare two days, a friend of mine, I was sleeping on her couch while I was pregnant. I bounced around of my suitcase about four months before, during, and after my pregnancy. And I can say that I was, I had no base, like I had no home. And I could say it's one of, one of the feelings that no one should feel at all to be yeah. an American and to be living that way. It was horrible. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was horrible. <laughs> and so that's what happened. And after I came out of that surgery, I realized uh, nothing will ever be the same uh, because as a woman, when you go to touch your stomach and it's empty and there was just mm -hmm. children inside, it does something to you. Um, I did have trauma while I was showering, thinking that there were my children's body parts were coming out. <laughs> like, you know, I, I was in such a state of shock and I hadn't grieved until I would say about months later. From that yeah so okay. hardcore well, stuff <laughs> thank you for being so open with us about that mm -hmm. and as i said before i admire that you've taken your pain and given it a greater purpose and you're going yes. forward and making other people's lives more i don't want to use the word mm significant because all of our lives are significant, but you're giving us a greater purpose. If someone is watching this podcast right now, mm -hmm. Tiba, and they're up against the wall, yeah. the world is against them. 
they have lost their enthusiasm for life. Yeah. How would you inspire them to just keep going, not to give up? What would you say to that person? Well, look at me as inspiration. I was that person for 12 years. I'm 28. From the age of five from incest to age of 27, that was my life. So that was 2020 last year, what I just, the story that I told of abortion. If I can come out of that, you can too. The only thing is you don't take your life because of somebody else. A friend had told me this. That's one good thing an old best friend of mine said. You don't kill yourself because what someone else is doing to you, right? So that is temporary. I don't know when that will end for you, but don't kill yourself because someone is hurting on you or whatever may be happening around you. And I would really, really, really look for a mentor, really someone you could talk to, someone count on. Now there's so many free services. There's NAMI, Catholic Charities, Suicide, you know, Hotline. I had no idea about any of this. And I just survived everything on my own. I had stopped believing in God. I only depended on myself. So I would say to start doing things that are healthy for your mind and not become isolated. The more you isolate yourself, the more suicidal you'd want to be, you know? And the most important thing is for you to know that that isn't you like period it's it's a really hard thing and it's it could be hard to see in the fog because you're so numb and depressed but just know like as long as you keep living you're gonna get out of it like i kept living those 12 years right so it's like i only really had a good safe four years that i know which i don't even remember uh from my birth but i'm saying as long as you keep living it will get better and since i've told my truth life's been amazing. Like I'm joyful, not happy, joyful, like truly every single day. And I'm on the other side of things. So that will happen for you, but just don't give up. I don't know when it'll be maybe two years, 20 years, but you just don't give up. Like people who, you know, remain in their jail sentence, they get out, like they never gave up. They never gave up the fight. You know, people with cancer, you don't give up the fight, things like that. It's like, just you just have to believe. Keep you know? going. Yeah. yeah. You know, I talk about that. I talk about that all the time on my podcast where I will use the expression, you have to stay awake for the rebirth because every morning that we wake up, we're re we are rebirthing ourselves. Yeah. It's a new day. You know, the sun's going to come out. So we have to stay awake for the rebirth because we don't know yes. what the rebirth is going to bring. We don't know what the next day has in store for us. My father committed a murder suicide mm. on a Monday on a Monday I just wonder all the time what would his life have mm. become had he stayed awake mm. one more day I guarantee Tuesday would have been different mm -hmm. maybe not maybe not perfect but if he had just lived a little bit longer so that Monday that Monday was a horrible day but we don't know what Tuesday could have brought to us yet alone Wednesday and Thursday. So we have to remember that it's a temporary setback. The mindset that you may have, that the, those thoughts that are telling you you're not worthy, you're not lovable, kill yourself, kill someone else, harm yourself. Those thoughts are temporary and that's the suicide. That's the unhealthy brain talking. It's not real. So when you're in that fog, you know, it's easy for us to sit before an audience and say, get help. But when you're in that state of mind, it's really hard. And I just want, if the if you guys who are listening, the audience, if you don't remember anything else that Pratiba has told us today is to please know to stay awake. Just don't give up because it's one, we all have had bad days, but those days don't last forever. Mm -hmm. It's just the moment of now. 
Stay wow. awake rebirth. This is so great. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> so Patiba, this show is all about love. Speaking of love, the podcast. This is my 61st episode. Wow. And it was created in honor of my father, Herman McAlpin Jr. My father was a radio TV broadcast engineer in the city of Detroit. He had a big life. He was very intelligent and he committed a murder-suicide. He left this earth in the most horrible way. He committed the most horrible act. But when people do things like this, there's a lack of love somewhere. My father had a lot of love around him. His wife loved him. I loved him, but something was wrong with his brain where it wasn't healthy enough to be receptive of the love that was around him. So my podcast is called Speaking of Love. Years ago, my father had a radio show called Speaking of Sports. So I have adopted his philosophy, Speaking of, and this show is Speaking of Love. So the million dollar question that I ask all of my guests who sit before me is, how do you define love? Me. <laughs> I didn't even hesitate. You, you are I love. Even know the yes. question. Everything is me. <laughs> yes, and you exude love, and I can feel that energetically. Even though you're all the way in New Jersey, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm here in Michigan. I feel energetically your love that you're exuding. Mm. So I truly, I truly see the love inside of you. And I thank you for being here on my podcast and blessing That's my great. platform with your love. What's next for you? You've talked a little bit about um, your goals for your suicide mission. Um, mm -hmm. You have a lot going on. What else is coming for you? I know you've mentioned a book. What can we expect mm -hmm. next? <laughs> So I am still working on completing my collective, but, you know, emotionally because of my mom's, you know, family, personal situations, you know, to keep that focus and stuff like, you know, I've had my challenging days where I cried for five hours, but we just have to keep moving. So slow by slow, you know, it's all going to come together. Um, so, you know, have a coach, you know, for try together and I'm going to school. Honestly, my, my focus is, you know, to be a speech pathologist and I start school in January, but everything before that is just, um, let's see, you know, let's see what I can make because one thing I learned is everything is already created. So let's see what we can make out of what I have. Right. Wow. We have a couple of people who are tuning in. Uh, we have Anise Shaw. She is tuning in via YouTube today. And oh. she wants you to know that she has felt all of those losses. It's amazing what we overcome as humans. And the mind is very delicate, but very strong. So she yes. is watching us from YouTube. We also have Ralph Sinclair. Ralph is oh, watching hey, Ralph. us. <laughs> Ralph was oh. on my show a few weeks ago. That was a very, very powerful interview I had with him. And his message today is focus on positive things. Find something good to push you through. Thank you, Ralph. Thank you for watching. He also has another message here. Joy, happiness, peace, forgiven, long-suffering, humble, kind, meek, gentle truth. <laughs> Thank you, Ralph. Ralph had another message here. I want to read this because this right here is very powerful. Ralph says that strong is meant to be here to help millions. So everything that you went through, Pratiba, that created you to be the person that you are today happened to make you stronger, of course, but it put you in this position so that you can help millions. And that's what you're doing globally on your platform together you know i truly feel the strong thing because it was crossing my mind yesterday the fact that wow like 
how strong we are as humans, like truly, like I went through all that, but it's not something that's in my conscious mind. Like I'm in the now, but it's mm -hmm. like, to be like, wow, that was me. It's all back in the day. Like, you know what I mean? It's like 2020 to me feels like four years ago, mm -hmm. you know, because I I'm so moved on from the things that I went through. Like I've I'm healing still, but like I've really healed, you know, not just to say it, but you know. Now, um, Pratiba, what is your website? Because I want to put your website information here. So if people want to get in contact you, mm -hmm. with you. Oh, it's PratibaDay.com. P-R-A-T-I-B-H-A-D-E-Y.com. Yeah. Okay. So her website is listed here. That's www.P-R-A-T-I-B-H-A-D-E-Y.com. Uh, yes. And my name okay. means genius. <laughs> Her name means genius. And she is she's a genius of love. We also have Marilyn Patricia Thurman tuning in. And she leaves a message and it says, in time, this too shall pass. And that's definitely true. Thank you for watching, Marilyn, Ralph, Anise. You all have really um, helped us here today. We truly appreciate the love and the support. I love it. Before I let you go, Pratiba, mm -hmm. I have one last question for you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when, the, when the pages of your life are reviewed and your mission here on the planet Earth is over, what do you most want to be remembered for? She did her job. She did her job. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Oh, my God. Look what's yes. flowing to me. <laughs> I didn't think about it. <laughs> Yeah, this flowing out of me. It's not something that I thought about. I don't have to think about it. It's just, you know. Yes, and I did not send you the questions beforehand because no. sometimes when I interview people, I'll send them the questions ahead of time just so they can kind of be prepared. But I like the authenticity of interviewing people extemporaneously and not giving them the questions ahead of time and just doing it like that. So it, wow. it definitely, it makes a difference. And I truly love you and I appreciate you for being here. Hopefully someday I can meet you and yeah. we are going to collaborate together on this suicide prevention because you have a divine calling on your life. And I want wow. to, I want to be a part of your world. You are definitely someone that you want on, on your team. I want you to be on my team. I want to be on your team. <laughs> We're on the same team, but this is so inspiring. Like, I feel inspired after this. Like, I want to go do something, you know? Oh, <laughs> well, thank you. And that's the purpose of this podcast is to spread yeah. love and inspire others. And I also want people to know that life is not perfect. Pratiba has shared her life and her struggles and her adversities with us. And she's still here looking beautiful as ever with her red lipstick and her red glasses. Oh, I have really fallen in love with the color red here recently. Right. <laughs> and you look so beautiful. Yeah. You know, before we go, I just want to tell people like, my life's not perfect now, as in, you know, my mom's in inpatient care. Like, that's a challenge. Like, that's, you know, it's, it's a lot. But it's like, look at me. It's like, you know, you control what you can. And, leave the rest like the boundaries mm -hmm. so you have to take care of yourself first and that's my message yes and when you do have those moments and you need help or you need someone to be there for you it's okay to call up a friend it's okay yeah. to call me or it's okay for me to call you no. but help yeah. me i need help you know I have so oh yeah every day i'm calling someone or like texting or i do have counselor and i still do i i do breath work therapy you know reiki what else do i do hypnotherapy oh i get help all the time <laughs> like mm -hmm. every week seriously like i'm working on myself every day i do some kind of hypnosis meditation or something like 
I'm not perfect without that. Like I'm not stable without that. Like you have to journal and do things for you. Otherwise I wouldn't be able to speak so, you know, eloquently and give back to the world. If I wasn't working on myself, I would have anything to say, like, you know? Yes. Well, thank you, Pratiba, for being here. I really appreciate you. And this podcast will be available on YouTube. It's available on Facebook, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you choose to watch your podcast. Speaking of Love is there. So I will be back here next Saturday for another episode. If you want to reach out to Pratiba, you can do so on her website. I have it listed here. And thank you all so much. And before we go, I want to exit the podcast with a short interview with my father. This is one of the last recordings of him before his tragic passing. So we will end our podcast with this very short interview with my father, Herman McAlpin Jr. Thank you all so much for watching, and I'll be back here next Saturday. In this market as well. Uh, Herman, I love that you were all of those different things here <laughs> at WGPR, and that's sort of indicative of the way the station operated. People did lots of things, got lots of different opportunities to learn about all of them. Yeah, I am extremely blessed to have been hired at the time that I was, a 22-year-old kid out of college. Um, and I worked at WDET, you know, as a college work-study student, I got a chance to meet Mr. George White. And he was being interviewed about the prospect of WGPR, nation's first owned and operated black TV station opening. And I begged him, man, please hire me. Please hire me on the ground floor. I am very trainable. And, you know, I'm very, very grateful that the experience at WGPR uh, helped me get a job at Channel 7, which I worked for 30 years huh? after that, and the job as a news cameraman. You may not know who I am, a lot of people, but you have seen my work on the air. <laughs> right, and and there's, right. there's nothing, there are no two days alike as a news cameraman. And I've been very blessed to work with a lot of, um, you know, people who I learned a great deal from, who yeah. I respect in the industry, and Karen Hudson and, <laughs> and Doug Morrison, the two of them from GPI. Doug Morrison, I right? I remember, I remember him too. <laughs> uh, Ken, I, I like to.